Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. And good evening. I'm Keith Porter, and my guest today on The Sages Among Us is Brian Terhorst. Brian was educated as a historic preservationist. He's a past general manager, and he's now the board president of KVMR. And he lives with and advocates for others with a rare and serious medical condition called late-onset Pompeii disease. He's also served eight years as the general manager for North State Public Radio in Chico, so he's a radio guy. And he continues to broadcast Harmony Ridge every other Thursday afternoon on KVMR, 2 to 4 p.m. So, Brian, welcome to the hot seat on The Sages Among Us. Thanks, Keith. It's good to be here. Well, it's nice to have you as my guest. Appreciate your being here, too. Um, uh, let me share a little bit more of your background with our audience, and we're going to get into what you do and your role in the community and all of that. But uh, you were born, I think, in North Carolina. As a child, you traveled a bit. You were a, a military brat, if I can use that word. I, maybe that's pejorative. I don't know. <laughs> military kid. Anyway, uh, some time in Southern California. Your father was a Marine pilot who was killed in Vietnam on a medical evacuation mission. And um, after his death, your family moved to Northern Virginia to be near where he was interred in um, Arlington Cemetery. Um, at you know, high school age, you came back to California, and um, I guess you had to give up music because California schools weren't doing much with music in those days. So, sorry about that. So, but your your career <laughs> took quite a quite a twist. So anyway, this show is, of course, about you, it, your work at Civic Engagement, and you've had so many interesting and varied life experiences. Uh, we're really going to be challenged to even skim the surface in 30 minutes, but we're going to give it a go. So uh, tell us a little bit about growing up as a military brat. You had five siblings uh, raised by your mother, uh, and she was widowed when your father was killed. How do you think those early life experiences uh, influenced your life direction? Uh, yeah, and it's amazing to hear you recap a whole life like that in three seconds. Like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, when I was when I was a little kid, you know, I know that we were moving around a lot. You know, my dad was a was a career marine, and uh, I mean, my earliest memories I have, you know, images of North Carolina and Southern California. Um, you know, but my, I mean, my memories of of that period, you know, was very familial. You know, my dad uh, did two tours in Vietnam, so and, and he was killed when I was six. So the those last couple of years, um, you know, when he was still around, he was gone in Vietnam a lot, and. Um, yeah, but I do remember my dad. I have very fond memories of him. As a kid, I remember wrestling on the living room floor with my brothers and him, and my memories of a family camping trip. And you know, my dad was a he was a loving family man and a great sense of humor. And you know, he had pet names for all the kids. And you know, he was very engaged with us, you know, after, after he died, you know, my mom, my mom was carrying my youngest sister, her sixth 
child when my father was killed. Oh, and, boy. You know, and the, um, the impressions of that period, you know, I remember the night that two uniformed officers came to the door to inform my mom that my dad wasn't coming home. You know, so I mean, those memories definitely stand out. And the way we, um, the way we bonded together as a family started right then. And, um, and my family was always very close. You know, after the loss of my dad, you know, we held to each other to get through life. And, um, and, and along the way, I've lost a, a brother and a sister. Um, and those of us who are still, and my mom is still alive. She lives right here in Nevada City. And my, one of my sisters lives here. We're very close family. Yeah. Well, uh, were you, uh, you implied, you, were you present when the uniformed officers came and told your mother about your father's death? And do you actually oh, witness yeah, that? No. Oh yeah, I saw. Yeah, I still have that image in my mind. In fact, those officers hung around that evening and kind of helped put us to bed and and stuff. I mean, yeah, I have a very vivid memory. I'm, you know, I remember hearing my mom scream at the front door. So, yeah. Um, so, how 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 did you deal as a youngster, as a six year old? with the emotions of that. It must have been terribly, terribly traumatic. You know, you think so abstractly, but you know, I was six years old. I think I probably reacted more to how it affected my mom. Right. She was right there. But, you know, we just, you know, as a kid, I just adapted to living a life with, without a dad. And it was as time went on, and I started to gain a broader perspective that I started to really respect just how much you I mean how amazing my mom is because um because she did the whole thing. I mean she raised us, cooked for us, took us to school, oversaw wow. put on Christmas and you know, we never felt like we were missing a parent. My mom is a remarkable person. Well, I hope she knows how much she's appreciated by you and, and by all of us uh, indirectly who know about you and um, and can relate to your story about what an incredible uh, person that she was uh, in, in bringing my, you all together. Yeah, my mom and I know what we mean to each other, and she's sitting there in Nevada City listening right now. So. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, sounds like a been a real blessing uh, to to your family. Yeah. Um, so, f- from from being near your father's resting place in Arlington, you eventually came back to California. What what brought your family back to this area? You know, but my, my mom, um, you know, before my dad died. Uh, you know, they had discussed, you know, in, in the event that he didn't come back from Vietnam, he either wanted to be laid to rest in Minnesota, where he was born, or laid to rest in Arlington. And, you know, the decision was made that it would be Arlington. And, you know, 
my mom's devotion to my dad, um, you know, led her to take us to Northern Virginia when he was laid to rest in Arlington. But as the years ticked on, you know, you know, I think my mom wanted to, you know, have a life. And, you know, over the, you know, by the time I was in high school, she made a few efforts to, to move out of Virginia. She talked about moving to New York where her family was from. But she had lifelong friends out in the Bay Area and, and had visited out in California a few times, and when she finally made a move happen, it was the Bay Area, and and my whole family came. You know, I mean, I had a, my older sister and my oldest brother had already graduated high school and moved out, and when Mom decided to move to to the Bay Area, the whole family came, and uh, and we just set up. Traversed enclave in California. So you were you were a middle child. You uh, were somewhere in the middle of the six. Um, yeah, I was the fourth. The okay. fourth of six. Yeah. And uh, were you a physically active child? Were you into sports and that sort of thing uh, as a youngster? Uh, not, not into sports, but I was definitely into music, and oh, I yeah. was uh, and I was in marching band, and um, you know we competed all over Virginia and. You know, in my, uh, I was in my junior year of high school when we, when we moved, and at that point, four of my seven classes in high school were music. I mean, I was, that's where I was going, and uh, you know, I had history, English, and you know, some other class, but everything else was music. Yeah. So um, that's where my life was, but by in hindsight, um, you know, we'll get into this in a little bit. You know, I, I have a disability, and you know, the earliest onset of that disease was really around age five or six, and you know, and it just came on really gradually. But by the time I was in high school, I was really retreating from activities that would show. That I was different. I, you know, I was. Uh, so you were beginning to have the impact of the disease even as a youngster. Yeah, for sure, yeah. and I was trying to hide it. Too, so. Yeah, of course. Well, you went off to Sonoma State. You studied anthropology uh, with an emphasis in archaeology. You completed coursework for a master's in cultural resources management, but. With uh, your declining physical situation, you switched to architectural history. Um, uh, tell us about some of your jobs and projects in that field, including uh, what you did for Miner's Foundry in Nevada City. Yeah, so so I started, I, I just graduated, uh, got my bachelor's degree, and it started graduate school, and I and I was I received a diagnosis that we later found out wasn't correct, but I was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 23. Okay. And I had just started grad school, so you know, I, and I and I had graduated with honors when I got my BA, and I was on this fast track to you know be a successful archaeologist. And when I got that 
diagnosis, I realized that was never going to work. And so I changed my major to architectural history. But um, during my archaeology training, it, but most people, you know, when they hear I studied archaeology, it's like, you know, French literature or something. It, you know, unless you're involved with it, most people don't know that archaeology is a huge business in California, you know, cultural resources, so, you know, archaeological sites and historic buildings are treated like, you know, rare plants and animals. And, you know, California's environmental laws drive a huge industry of historic preservation. So my first archaeological project was in Lake County, and, you know, I was just learning how to do excavation. And the very first level I dug on an archaeological site, I exposed the skull. And, oh, uh, my. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I was just dumbfounded. I was totally unprepared for that reality. And, you know, we had Native American elders at the dig, and, you know, they moved in and everything stopped, and it all went into a very spiritual ceremony that governed all of that. So, you know, I was learning about archaeology, but I also got a pretty quick lesson in Native spirituality, too. Wow. Um, Oh, hey Brian! Brian, let me let me yeah. tell let me tell folks that uh, I'm Keith Porter, and my guest today is Brian Terhorst, who was educated as a historic preservationist. He's a past general manager and now board president of KVMR. He lives with and advocates for others with a rare and serious medical condition called late onset Pompeii disease. He also served eight years as the general manager for North State Public Radio in Chico, and he continues to broadcast Harmony Ridge every other Thursday afternoon, two to four p.m. on KVMR. So I want people to know who's who's doing the talking here. And uh, you're talking about your uh, time in archaeology, but I, I specifically also want you to talk about what you did for Miner's Foundry, because that was very important, wasn't it? Well, yeah, you know, in, in hindsight, you know, I mean, so, you know, my work brought me to Placer County, and I ran a, a big project there for a couple of years and recorded hundreds of historic buildings. And it was during that time that I initially got involved with KVMR as a volunteer, and I became friends with the, the woman who was the director of the Miners Foundry, and she became aware that I had a lot of contacts at the State Office for Historic Preservation and that I knew how the California Historical Landmarks Project ran. And so I volunteered to write the nomination the Miners Foundry, they had done a lot of the research on that building, but I took it and put it all together and did some supplemental research and wrote up the nomination and got all the forms together and ran it through the state office. So I'm the, I'm the guy that got that big bronze plaque out in front of, of Miners Foundry. And that building is an amazing Building. I mean, it's a beautiful building, but it's uh, its history is is absolutely amazing, and um, 
and way broader than the fact that it's this cool little building on Spring Street, you know, the the tie into Lester Pelton and the Pelton Wheel and um, I mean it's an amazing building and and, it, it, and that was a fun project that I just did it for fun. Well, it, it, yeah, you're right. That the 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 foundry is an amazing story, and thank you so much for be playing a part in getting it recognized as and such an important asset in our community. And it it is. I mean, what a jewel to to have right here and to be able to keep um, in some degree of uh, preservation. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah. So right across the street from Tavia Bar. Yeah, I could. And Tavia Bar used to live in that building. <laughs> yeah, well, and and one day again, right? Yeah, as a, as one of the people that came in at the very beginning of the pandemic to do emergency news uh, reporting, um, I have been one of the very few volunteers coming in, which is why I'm in the studio, and uh, and you're not at this point, no guests yet. But right. ho- hopefully, we'll have the studio open again one of these days fairly soon, and uh, get get right. things back to normal and. Get all those volunteer broadcasters in here. So uh, now that we're talking about radio, uh, in 1994, you, um, I guess before then, you were volunteering here at KVMR, but then in 94, you ended up in a paid position, which ultimately uh, you became a general manager of the station. So you obviously rose uh, through the ranks quickly, um, but uh, you started with unpaid work. Uh, what motivated you to go into radio? Well, I mean, I've been a radio geek since I was a little kid, you know. I mean, I grew up listening to Casey Case. I've been, you know, the American Top 40, but I lived in the Bay Area. You know, I supported KPFA Pacifica and, you know, gravitated towards the cool independent stations. And when I moved out to the foothills, uh, I had paid housing down in Rockland for like the first six months I was here and I tuned in to KPMR really by accident. And, you know, that's looking back, you're like, you know, that's where the fork in the road was. Yep. Because, you know, what I heard on KPMR just blew my mind. I, you know, I loved radio and what I was hearing coming out of the foothills was was just brilliant. It was so creative and, you know, ha- had no real boundaries on it. And, you know, and the music was stuff I never heard on the radio. It was stuff I knew from just being a musical explorer, but I couldn't believe people were playing on the radio. So when I, when my paid housing ran out, I moved to Nevada City. I just, I wanted to be in a town that produced radio like that. So it's fair to say that it's fair to say that Nevada City brought you. Uh, I mean, that KVMR brought you to Nevada City. Uh, that is absolutely true. And uh, <laughs> and you know, no sooner had I moved up here, and I had a I had a cabin up on the Harmony Ridge, which is where the name of the radio program came from. But. Um, you know, no sooner had I arrived that I started volunteering at business office on my day off. And, you know, I just, I got sucked in. You know, I just, I thought, I thought the whole environment of KBMR was was just so cool. And, uh, and I had a lot of skills, you know, I had a lot of school and knew how to 
more computers and I was a quick learner and so I just started spending time there and you know, a couple of years later I was moving out of preservation because my body just couldn't keep up with it and the entry level half time job opened that KVMR and that was it. I mean I you know, this doesn't sound like a lot of money now, but I left a job that was paying 30 bucks an hour working for the state and moved into a job paying 750 an hour at KPMR, and I was never happier. And that, that's, you know, that, that, that's for the hours. And that's for the hours you worked, and you probably worked a lot of hours you weren't paid for, too, I would guess, <laughs> noting, noting yeah. what happens around this station. Um, <laughs> Let me say again, I'm Keith Porter. My guest today is Brian Terhorst, who is a, a historic preservationist, past GM, now board president of KVMR, uh, also served, and we haven't gotten there yet, but we will, eight years as the general manager for North State Public Radio in Chico. Um, so you left, you were recruited to um, to that job in Chico. Uh, you left KVMR to do that. What was, uh, you know, I mean, com compare and contrast, what was the uh, experience like at North State Public Radio vis-a-vis -vis, uh, KVMR? It was very different, and uh, it was very interesting, and I loved that job, but it was it was different. You know, community radio as an industry is people-powered. You know, KBMR has, you know, when we're not shut down because of the pandemic, you know, we have hundreds of broadcasters, volunteers that are pouring in and out of the buildings all the time. At NPR, you know, the programming is almost entirely syndicated. So, you know, we had board operators and announcers, small group of news people and, you know, just basic operations. But all the programming was purchased and, you know, you, you download it on the computer and air it. And um, we had great community support up there. Um, I loved working at the university, and I I made great friends while I was in Chico. But, you know, after all the years, and I had been at KPMR first as a volunteer and then all the way up through GM. I'd been there 15 years, and KPMR is its people. And, um, you know, at North State Public Radio, I mean, there were times you would go, to the station, and there was one person there, right? And just the person putting on the next show, and you know, reading underwriting announcements. So you know, the product was brilliant, but the environment—it was just kind of sterile. After you know, after you grow up in community radio, it's just a—it's a different industry. <laughs> Well, it, sound, it sounds like you left your heart in uh, Nevada City and KVMR and uh, came back in 2016 uh, uh, to, to where, your, where your heart really is. So uh, we're, we're very happy about that. Um, and <laughs> after re arriving back, you served on the committee that ultimately hired uh, KVMR's current general manager, Allie Lightfoot, and then you joined the board and you were elected president for this year. So that's a lot of responsibility. So what is it about KVMR? I mean, you've already said some of these things, I'm sure. But what is it that makes you willing to do so much to make KVMR work and uh, be successful? 
Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I've invested my soul at KBMR, and I mean, it's now almost 30 years since I first arrived. And, um, you know, again, I committed myself to the Chico job, but when I retired from that, I dashed home. And uh, you know, my family's here, my friends are here, and KBMR is here. Um, you know, I, I believe in in KVMR as a service, you know, it, uh, I mean, it, it's a mouthpiece for uh, an amazing community. And um, and it seems that the more difficult things become, you know, with wildfires and pandemic and power outages and, you know, each new challenge that arrives in this community KVMR reinvents itself and finds a, a new way to do what's needed to serve this community. And, you know, when I first came to KVMR, it was, uh, you know, facing bankruptcy and, and living in the, basically the basement of the foundry. And, you know, you look now at the at the beautiful building that that houses KDMR. I mean, you know, we were a tiny little little radio station back then, and now we're like a a national model for community radio. And you know, I don't take credit for for that, but I was I was part of the team that oversaw that evolution and. Uh, and I still am, you know, with the, the uh, when I was asked to join the board and we were facing, you know, the shutdown of the station. And uh, I also have very high regard for Allie Vipes. You know, she really, when we were hiring her, I said to the committee that she really reminded me of my younger self and um, you know she is totally dedicated to KVMR and she is radio all the way down to her toes you know there's there's nothing she'd rather be doing and so, so Brian, you know, but, yeah. we have just a couple of minutes left, and what I would like you to do is also share a little bit about how your uh, condition has changed your life and how you reach out and work with other people and support other people with this uh, Pompe disease. Yeah, so, you know, just real quickly on that, you know, my, my disease is really, a, a, it's a success story. You know, I lived misdiagnosed for 26 years and then in 2012 we learned what I actually have and there's a treatment for Pompeii disease and I I received infusions I received over 250 of those and I and I would have been long gone if if we hadn't figured out what I have and and uh, started the infusion so the company that produces those infusions hosts educational events for people who live with this disease and it's probably no coincidence that you know after all the years in radio i found a 
platform to talk with people about a different topic. And so I, I do educational programs for for people living with Pompeii disease and for doctors because um, it's still a very unknown disease and is often misdiagnosed. My story isn't really that unusual for people who have Pompeii disease. Yeah, but it's obviously a, a major life impact. You, you have a constant companion named Coppola, or, or do you say Coppola? Coppola, yeah. <laughs> your, your service dog? Yeah, yeah. He's actually my second service dog. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he's amazing. He's from Canine Companions over in Santa Rosa, and, you know, his first two years of life were all training. So he, he has, like, 40 commands. And, you know, when you meet him, he's just this lovable, beautiful black lab, but he's also highly skilled and allows me to keep living independently so that's that's amazing and wonderful and uh, thanks for sharing all of that so uh, i am keith porter and my guest today and the sages among us has been brian terhorst he's uh, educated as a historic preservationist past general manager now board president of kvmr and he lives with and advocates for others with a rare and serious medical condition called late-onset Pompeii disease. So thank you very much for listening to The Sages Among Us. Brian, thank you very much for being my guest. And uh, we'll look forward to your broadcast tomorrow, 2 to 4, right? Harmony Ridge, right here on KVMR. Thanks a lot for having me, Keith. It's been a pleasure. You bet. <laughs>